Welcome to Enlighten Up, the Hilarity Podcast with Lizzie Allen and Karina Lauren. We take hard topics, throw them up in the air, and dissolve them with laughter. Each week, we feature a comedian from the Hilarity course, and we discuss topics from their set. From sexual shame to getting older, we tackle it all with humor and heart. Our goal is to awaken the masses, promote love, and increase connection by dissolving shame, all while making you laugh until you pee your pants. So let's enlighten up and get started. Right, don't touch any of the bottom bit. You okay? don't touch any of the bottom bit. You don't touch it. You don't touch it. You come closer. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 10 with Lizzie and Karina on Enlighten Up, a Hilarity podcast. Hello, 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 listeners. I'm pretty sure episode 10 requires a celebration. So wherever you are listening, this is 10 episodes, folks. Whether or not you've been with us from the beginning or not, do a little celebration dance. Go and eat 10 donuts. Yeah. Count to 10, holding your breath. (laughs) (laughs) What can you do to celebrate the double digits of this podcast? Double digits. It's a big deal. Digi doubles. Mm -hmm. Digi double that. Yeah. What did you do when you turned 10? It was a big deal. It was a big deal. I think I got some bright red corduroy trousers and had a bloody birthday party. Yeah. I had my hair cut really short, like kind of like yours, and I cooked, cooked, baked my own cake. Wow. Mm-hmm, like a big kid. Like a big old kid. Yeah. So that's us. We're 10 now. 10. Well, 10 eppies in. 10 eppies in. <laughs> Grab your epi pen. Yeah. Okay. So, folks, I don't think we've mentioned it previously, or should I say previously on Enlighten Up? No, we haven't mentioned it. Lizzie. Talk to us about going to Hollywood. Oh my goodness me. I am going to Hollywood to do a show called Save the World with Lizzie Allen. Because as you know, I'm all about manifesting peace on earth. And so I've created this show and it is a combination of therapy and comedy and then some visualizing together. And I'm making everybody dress in white. Making them. Making them. You can't come in unless you're head to toe dressed in white. (laughs) (laughs) Head to toe. Yeah, but I like where you got your inspiration for that because you said you read read a book, The Art of Gathering, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talk to me about that. I want to hear more about that. The Art of Gathering is that you put more purpose and thought into the reasons why we gather. And I thought, I want to have a show that is more of an experience than just a kind of one way, you know, one way thing of being performed at. So I wanted to include the audience partially in some of that experience and to get underneath it and lift up the vibration so that people go away thinking about peace on earth and that they've just had this experience that they've just had this experience and talk about it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's something it's more, I mean, I know we keep saying experience, but I'm thinking like it's more of an experiential thing an immersive thing than, Hey, I paid for this ticket and then I'm just going to show up 
and watch a show and then just go home. And yeah, maybe I'll talk about it and I'll laugh about it or I'll, I'll think fondly upon it. But from what you're saying to me, it sounds more like, hey, I feel like I'm kind of a part of this thing now from the beginning when, because you had also mentioned something about you're going to connect via email first. So there's like this, yes, right? This connection that happens before they even get there. Yeah. So the experience starts as soon as you accept the invitation to come to this show. So I've sent out the initial invitations, uh, giving partial instructions about what this show is going to be about and how you can prepare for that. And then as we move towards this show, they're going to get more emails and more communication, like filling out a questionnaire about how they feel about manifesting world peace or visualization, any of those things. So it is a real kind of trial and error type situation. And I'm, you know, I I think it's a bit of a dream come true to do a show in Hollywood. It's a 45 seat theater. So we're not talking about, you know, we're not talking about blockbusting right now, but what we are talking about is an intimate experience with 45 beautiful people who are going to gather in a space and time in an alternate alternate reality for one night only, dressed in white, and we're going to manifest together. I love it. I love it. And it does kind of, I hope it's inspiring our listeners because even just putting that out there as a thought, it gets me thinking. Like it gets me think of what I could do with my magic show. Huh? Mm. Bring people in, mail them a letter with glitter in it ahead of time. Poof. Poof. Or a box with a dove in it. A bo- <laughs> <laughs> that flew out. Or in just, their face. just one part of a picture of a ventriloquist dummy. Just like half its face that they get mailed. No explanation. Just a picture. And on the back it says like Wanda and Wandini. What? What? Yeah. Or like the onion. Do you remember the that film with the onion, something onion? And he sent everyone got an invite, which was this weird box puzzle. Oh yeah. The new one. The new uh yeah, yeah. What's I know it it's again? yeah, it's the onion, but it's it started with it's got uh, Daniel Craig in Daniel it. Craig, yeah. It started with the first one, which why am I completely blind? Oh, knives out. Knives out, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. That was very immersive, right? Exactly. You, you got the box, which was quite um, intense. Like you and I probably aren't going to invest in not yet puzzle boxes, but one day, one day, puzzle boxes, and then oh yeah, good point. Good I point. mean, people died in that movie, so that, yeah, <laughs> that's that not it. what we're looking to create here. But I would. I would put a challenge out to anyone listening to this. Anytime you're gathering people together, which we all do, we are human beings. Connection is our, our primary thing, right? Uh, it's like an instinct to survive. You have to connect. So when you have people over for dinner, like thinking of ways to be more connective. Yeah. So pick up the book, The Art of Gathering by Priya somebody. I can't remember the name off the top of my head dyslexia and too many drugs over the years causes me to be less than good at pulling abstract information from my mind. Yeah. Whatever excuse gets you through the day. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, Yeah. Art of gathering. 
Yeah. So, so no, it's really interesting the way that you can gather people together if you have a purpose underneath. I mean, for example, a baby shower or a dinner or something, usually you just say, well, we're going to get everyone together to celebrate Maureen having a baby. Maureen. Is there anyone at baby age called Maureen? Maureen. Well, if you're name. out there, Maureen, and you're in your 20s and you're having or 30s or, or 40s. Yeah. Having a baby. Comment. Okay. Comment. We I'm want- called Maureen. That name, because it's outdated, that name, but we're going into another... Well, and it's, but there's lots of outdated names that are coming back into yeah. fashion, like Rose. Oh, Alfred. What did they just name the royal baby? Archie. Archibald. Didn't they? Archibald. You should know. You're, you're I British. Don't, yeah, like, I don't follow Know something. I'm not a royalist. Know something about the royals, Lizzie. Like, right. this is embarrassing to your country. <laughs> anyway, going back to Hollywood. Hollywood. I did not really realize that LA was so close to us here in Vancouver. I had no idea. And I just randomly ended up going there a couple of years ago and realizing that somebody like me could go a long way in Hollywood. Yeah. Does somebody say Hollywood? You're you're like a Muppet. You're I mean, sorry, you're not <laughs> I could- you're very Muppety. Like you just I've always said that when we did our first show, I was like, we're like the Muppets. You basically say, I'm doing this thing, and then you just make it happen. That's right. It's literally every Muppet movie is they're like, we're doing this show, and then they just make it happen. That's Through right. good and bad, they just make it happen. And I so admire that you're going to Hollywood and you're just making it happen, but you're not just making it happen like everyone else would make it happen. You're taking it one step further and thinking about the entire experience from ticket buying all the way to when they leave. And I love it. I'm such a fan. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know what else I'm a fan of? The fact that I just peeled an orange before this, before we hit record, and I did it in one peel. Yeah. It's just I, one peel. And I turned to you and I said, that is the kind of day you're having today. It's a one peel day. And if you've ever done it, you know what I'm talking about. It's very satisfying. So listeners, while she's peeling oranges in one go and jumping off rooftops with joy, I am crying inside and nobody knows it but me. Yeah, and and Lizzie did mention before, oh, you could ask me how I'm feeling if you're feeling like a nice person. Feeling kind enough. Feeling kind enough. And I was like, well, I'm not. So how I'm touching her knee. How are you feeling? I don't know why, but I'm feeling a bit sad today and I don't know why. Yeah, but you do you need to know why? No, you don't need to know why. Yeah. Just feel it. Feel it and let it pass. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this in the last episode, weren't we? About feelings. You were having some feelings and you weren't acknowledging them. Yeah. And I don't know why I have got some sadness in my chest and throat today, and I am just going to acknowledge it. And it's okay that it's there. Uh, I can weep in the bathroom alone later. I love weeping in the bathroom alone. Oh, you're so dramatic. <laughs> I would never weep alone in the bathroom. On the floor. Laying down. She's like wistfully playing with her hair right now as yeah. she, as she uh, fantasizes about dramatically weeping into the... Oh, car. yeah. And then, my, and then my husband comes and knocks, honey, can I come in? And I'm like, I don't know. Or I'll slowly open the door crack. From the floor. From the floor. Yeah, yeah I won't get up. Mm-hmm. I'll just slowly use one finger to like 
open it just to crack. It's a sliding door, right? Right. And then I'll just be laying there so with he can one see. arm up on my forehead. And he can view you, the, the scene through the, the, through <laughs> through the, the crack. crack. Yeah, just, uh-oh. Just this woman prostate on the... <laughs> oh, somebody's having a feeling. Uh-oh, <laughs> somebody's attached a thought to that feeling. <laughs> somebody's giving up on life in our bathroom, <laughs> and I'm going to have to step over and do a pee because at the end of the day, we're used to it now, Karina. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. So absolutely, I support. If if we need to break between, you know, just go have a little cry in the bathroom. Well, you know what would cheer me up? What? Listening to our comedian for the day. <gasps> yes, we are. Sarah. Sarah is... A freaking superstar. This comedian, this writer, she is a powerful presence that has stormed onto the Hilarapy stage and she is has stayed. She's taken part in the HRP, the Hilarapy Recovery Project, since doing this set and continues to learn and grow and teach us about how to walk towards our shame. So let's welcome Sarah to the stage. Go, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you for joining me tonight for this trauma laugh set I'm about to share with you. Um, so there's a couple things you guys should know about me. First of all, I'm a vegan. I just want to establish that right away so that you know I stand on a moral high ground and <laughs> automatically recognize that I'm better than you. Yeah. Second of all, I used to drink, like a lot. I'm sober now, and uh, I know it's hard to believe that a 37-year-old single woman with a vegan but definitely not gluten-free body type <laughs> would ever turn to alcohol for comfort. <laughs> but I did just that. Anyways, I'm sober now, but all those years of hard living really did a number on my face. My iPhone has facial recognition, and every time I use it to Google something, it sends me jowl-lifting ads. <laughs> I gotta say, guys, being reminded every night that I could use a jowl lift is <laughs> about as uplifting as when one of my married friends says... It's okay. You'll find someone. <laughs> you guys ever have that happen? The whole, it's okay. You'll find someone bit. Like, you're great, you know? And like, you're sitting there with your friend and she's going on about her upcoming romantic getaway and you're over there on the other side of the couch eating peanut butter out of the jar. <laughs> she looks over at you and you're like, you're actually like really happy for her, you know? And it feels like you're smiling. <laughs> I'm like... But she just can't tell. You know why? Because you need a jowl lift. <laughs> Besides, I don't struggle to find men, even with these things flapping around. <laughs> Growing up, my two favorite movies were Cinderella and Terminator 2. <laughs> And I feel like those films really shape me as a person. Yeah. 
this year I got love bombed and, um, I love being love bombed guys. That shit's awesome. I had no idea what was happening. Like I thought it was for real. Like we're in love, you know, this is serious. And like, it wasn't, but anyways, um, when my, like, I feel like watching Cinderella every night before bed as a little girl just absolutely primed me for this experience. So when my Prince Charming came along and gave me COVID and then insisted on coming over to take care of me and rescue me from the COVID he gave me, <laughs> I was absolutely sure this was my glass slipper moment. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. It was a great relationship, though, at the start. Like, those first few days were magical. <laughs> I work as a caregiver and I was walking down the hall at work. I was taking the garbage to the garbage chute. I had my Crocs on. Like, Hard Knock Life was playing in the background. And, like, and then I heard my phone buzz, so I pulled it out, shook my jowls, and it, and it opened. <laughs> there was a text from a man who was breaking up with me because apparently I had other guys on the go. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, just looked around, like, where are these other guys? Like, if you're going to accuse me of something, at least accuse me of something that I'm actually doing. Like, you ate all the all-dressed chips last night. And I don't think I can be with someone like that, you know? I'd be like, of course I ate them. They're vegan. I'm sorry. I love you, you know? Anyways, this became a pattern, and when I figured out what was going on, it was Terminator 2 time. Yeah. My inner Arnold Schwarzenegger showed up, and he was all like, come with me if you want to live. Like, sorry, that was a terrible accent. I have no idea how to do that. But, so I got in my Crown Vic, and I drove off. You guys know what a Crown Vic is, right? It's like an old cop car. It's like 80 feet long. Yeah, that's my ride. Just a reliable car for a gal in the city. Good on gas, good for the environment. Just like veganism. When I drive this thing around, like, people stare, you know? And, but I think, like, it suits me, right? Like, I have that kind of haggard, elky vibe, so I can, like, pull it off. You know, I'm like, what are you looking at? And, like... You know, the back doors only open from the outside because it was for real a cop car. And um, this was my dad's car. He passed away this year. And um, I, I kept the car um, because I feel like it's like a big, warm dad hug. And also because I'm like a broke caregiver that lives in Vancouver and I don't have a car, you know. <laughs> And I feel like he had, like, a wicked sense of humor. So I feel like this is his way of just, like, messing with me from the other realm, you know? I feel like probably everything I'm doing in this car, he's just laughing his ass off at, you know? Um, I live in Estrada, and everyone there drives, like, a Tesla or a BMW or, like, just, like, some car that makes some sort of fucking sense, you know? Not old flappy gels. I come cruising in to the high security lot. Takes me 15 minutes to back into my small car stall. 
because I don't want to hit any of the actual nice cars, you know? And I have to do a back-in. It's always a back-in because there's a bungee cord holding the trunk down and holding the car together right now. And I want to blend in a little bit, right? Like, I don't want the neighbors to see, you know? But once I've completed the back-in, like, the, the BMW beside me is like four inches away. So I can't actually get out of the car. So I have to, like, roll down the back window on the passenger side. Then I have to crawl through the car, reach my arm out the window, open the door, crawl back through, roll up the window, then crawl back through to exit the vehicle. Then I get out and I'm like, damn it, I forgot to put the club on. So I gotta get back in, put the club on, go back out, lock the door. The family heirloom is secured. The gifts of sobriety, guys, they just keep coming. Anyways. Thank you so much. I had to uh, get really okay with myself to be here tonight. And um, I just want to thank all these beautiful, courageous people that I got the opportunity to do this with. Um, and I think that's about it. If no one's told you that they love you today, I love you. And thank you. Sarah. Sarah. Oh, what a set. I mean, I absolutely like not digging into the heavy topics yet, but I absolutely loved her call back to the jowls that was laced all throughout her set. It was hilarious. I just shook my jowls at it <laughs> and it opened. Like just like, oh, not old flappy jowls here. No, she has a car that doesn't make any sense. Like it was beautifully done because she kind of did that at the top and then just wove it throughout no matter what she was talking about. Great job, Sarah. Great job, Sarah. So good. Um, so I'm going to just go. I wrote some notes as we do. And one of the things that I was laughing at the beginning was uh, the vegan thing. Because, you know, you know how to tell when someone's a vegan. They tell you, right? Like you're always right. going to hear about it. and It's that moral high ground. But then I got to thinking, don't we all at some point claim something as our moral high ground? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Like when you see people who uh, tailgate, well, I never do that. That's, that's, that's my moral high ground. I'm yeah. better than them. While you're tailgating. Well, let's just put it. It not, happens. Not you. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 You're, no. Or, um, well, I bring my own bags everywhere. I don't buy bags. But they're bad for the environment. Like it doesn't matter, but I just thought it was interesting because it was funny that she said the, the way she said the vegan moral high ground, but I was like, we all do it. Yeah, she owned it. Mm -hmm. She owned her moral high ground or, you know, she she took a kick at her own. Yeah, she recognized it. She recognized it. And I think to do comedy, like you do have to be quite um, aware. You have to be quite self-aware for one thing. And you have to be aware of how you move through the world. Yeah. Right? Because how else would you know, hey, this is kind of a this is kind of interesting. Yeah. This is kind of a weird thing I do. Or this is a this is a the way I think about this. Huh, that's interesting. Like you're almost like investigating. You become an investigator of your own thoughts. Yeah, an observer. Mm-hmm. Um, she brought up some really big topics, you know, yeah. like uh first of all it was sobriety you know being fairly new into recovery into sobriety being sober living and you know that's big stuff i know 
in my first year, my first couple of years, it was really painful. There was a lot of emotion coming up for me. I had to do life without my crutch. I mean, how was it for you in that first oh, year? Bathroom floor, oh. fetal position, crying a lot. Yeah, not much has changed. Eh? No. <laughs> A lot less of that happening. (laughs) The time in between is stretched out maybe every year. But back then it was, oh, I don't know, weekly. Mm -hmm. And I was doing all the things, you know, oh, if you want to stay sober and you want to live a good life, you should do this, 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 this. I was doing all those things. But um, what was difficult was just moving through the world without numbing. Yeah. And having those emotional experiences that you know, threaten to overwhelm us and do in many cases overwhelm us. And so she didn't go into that in her set, but it was, it was touched upon and sounds like she lost her dad in the same year, you know, as doing this course and this set and that her her car was like a dad hug, you know, has that familiar smell. And it seemed to be a connection with her and her dad to the afterlife, you know, uh, seeing her dad in the afterlife, laughing at her for this hysterical, you know, unpractical car. Yeah. And actually she, she touched on it a little bit at the end. She said, I thought it was really beautiful. She said, I had to get really okay with myself to be here. That I don't know why it really it almost makes me tear up thinking about that process because we've all been there. It is such a vulnerable place and space to be. Never mind on stage. Okay, once you get on stage, sure, it does feel a bit vulnerable because you're going up there and you're doing something you've never done before. Most of these people, they've never gone up on stage and performed. So that in itself is a vulnerability. I'm talking about the weeks of work that you're doing before where you're writing new material, you're talking about things like your jowls, like your dad, like your car, like your sobriety, and you're rehearsing it with your, your mates, your comedy mates. And they are telling you it would, you know, maybe it would be funnier if you said it this way or, Oh, I didn't really, or they don't laugh. Right. And you've got to workshop it. That, that is a lot of vulnerability. So getting okay with yourself almost to me, like it really spoke to me because I get, I, I know exactly what she means where it's like, I always want to turn up perfect. And if it's not perfect, I'll just throw it out, throw it out. And so that getting okay with yourself of being like, you know what, it's, it's, I'm okay. And I can show up and I can say my piece because there is a fear. And I've heard comedians say it backstage. What if no one laughs? This crowd, they don't sound like they're laughing hard enough, right? They'll listen to how they're laughing at other comedians who go before them. They're not laughing hard enough. Oh no, what if they don't laugh? Mm. And so that in itself is like, I'm going to get up on stage and and the fear is like, it's just going to be crickets. Well, I really try to communicate that we're not going up there to get something from the audience, you know, like a traditional stand-up comedy night. We're getting up there to give something, and that gives a huge amount of uh, freedom to the performer that she was taking to the stage some incredibly personal subjects that were really painful to spend time with, like the breakup. That was really big for her. And yeah. to, to get up and talk about the way that we try to relate to one another and it fails 
that's a big subject to bring to the stage. And while it's still quite fresh. Yeah. Yeah. But I really, really like what you said is we're not up on stage to get something from someone. It's, it goes back to that. I'm not trying to get worth yeah. from you no. people, right? I am here to give you a gift. Yeah. I'm here to model light. I'm going mm-hmm. to come and shine my light and be who I am and own who I am bring some humor to the situation, and at the same time show you it's absolutely okay because nobody is perfect. No one on this planet is perfect, however well they manage to show up perfectly. The the falsity of anyone having their everything together and being all perfect all the time is just not real. Mm. So the more that we demonstrate our imperfection with one another in all aspects of life, whether, whether it's at the office or with your family or, you know, whether you're just showing up and saying, I don't get it right. I, I apologize because I made a mistake. I don't get it right. And then we just, there's just, isn't there just much more room for joy? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. much more room for expressing who we are right here, right now from a place of presence. So that presence, you can really feel it in the performer's when they go up with hilarity, because that's that's what we're doing. That show is also a therapeutic experience. Like it's set up as an extension of the therapeutic course. It's not, hey, we're down in a comedy club and everyone's drinking beer and expecting, you know, laugh a minute stuff. People are prepped to get underneath these performers and witness them showing up in a way that is incredibly courageous. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so relatable. Like, it's not like I'm a vegan. You know, I haven't lost my dad. I didn't just go through a breakup, but yet everything she said, I had an attachment to the moral high ground. Yep. I get that sobriety and just the feelings and the the rawness of it. Get that. The, um, the jowls like, yeah, I'm thinking about what's happening to my face. Like it, it's just a thing. Like it, it, gravity is a thing and getting older is a thing. And we all go through, we all experience changes. Right. But then there was the whole, what she said about Cinderella Terminator two growing up. Like I, some, I want someone to rescue me. Like she literally said like, re- yeah, the rescue me and those first few days. And I, I can relate to that. It's like when I was in active addiction, it was either like, come here, go away. Like, come fix me. Why are you trying to fix me? Like, get lost. And then the legacy of her dad. I mean, I can relate. Anyone can relate. We can all relate to that. Whether it's our dad, our grandpa, our mother, our grand, like somebody that you have that special connection with where they live forever in your heart and your mind because you're connected. Oh, it was so beautifully done. It was so beautifully done. And that fantasy about the relationship, I just want to hark back to that as a second the fantasy of the cinderella story and then the complete opposite of the terminator 2 story i mean where's the middle ground and that's so common isn't it because we have grown up in an alternative reality where we have watched films hollywood films and storylines that 
model. This is how a woman shows up. This is how a man shows up. This is what a loving relationship is. But actually, if you explore that, it has very little to do with what a real relationship is. Because actually, when you look at these Hollywood films, especially like the 80s and 90s, and even further back, 50s, 60s, 70s, all of those films where they were showing the man and the woman in love, it was a very codependent relationship where I can't live without you. And the woman is all helpless and needs rescuing by this man. And he can't show any emotions. He's just got to be strong and the hero. And she's got to be like this weeping damsel in distress who needs saving. And then we grow up amongst that with these Disney films. And we kind of go into our like relationship life with these ridiculous expectations of self and other. And then we get caught up in the fantasy in the first few days. <laughs> mm-hmm. And very quickly, we are let down again and again and again by our expectations. Yeah. Well, that was deep. It is deep, though. But I, somebody just said to me recently, like, if you are hinging your happiness on anyone, I don't care if it's your spouse, your partner, your best friend, your your parents, you will be let down. Like, we're all human beings. And human beings let people down. Like, so give our listeners a tip. What should you be hinging your happiness hinge on? Hinge your happiness on your own expansive universal being. There you go. Done. Yep. Go within, folks. Yeah, go within, expand without. Mm-hmm. And also that part of us is the oneness of all that is. That's the connection that when my spirit goes out of me in these great big expansive ways, it connects with the spirit of the soul of the universe. It is one with all things. Oh my goodness. I'm hovering right now. Can you see that? Absolutely. She's literally floating. I don't understand. I think we've just created magic here. (laughs) Real magic. Magic. Thank you to Sarah for bringing this out of us. Yeah, that was a lively discussion about some beautiful topics close to all of our hearts. And I'm going to speak for you too, listeners. I know you, I know you related to that set in some form or another, because here at Hilarity, we have the kind of comedy that is universal. We have universal shame. We have universal fear, sadness, and fantasy. (laughs) Yeah, at all. And you know, I, I promise that I'll still love you even when you get jowls. Well, you can't see that I've already started. <laughs> I can feel them dropping. How what? <laughs> Just do it like that. <sighs> Just relax a little bit. Oh, there they are. There they are. There yeah. They you are. really, you know, if I relax my face enough and really like huff it out, I got my jowls. We got my jowls on. Yeah. If this- you lean over, you'll see your jowls. Oh, the worst is when you turn your phone on. Right? And and it's down below and, and you're just like, ew, is that what I look like? Yeah, you accidentally like turn the camera on and you're just like, you catch yourself and your whole face is sagged right down. You look like a potato. Absolutely. A sagging potato. <laughs> a sagging, heavy bottomed potato. Yeah. But there's nothing so, wrong with that. Don't ever look at me from that angle. Still love you. All right, thanks. Still okay. love your big jowly yeah. face. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't really need your love because I have my universal love, but it's cool. I'll accept it. <laughs> Hey, that's, you, that's not how it works, guys. But, but okay. you have my expansive yes. universal love. The spirit in me loves the spirit in you. That's right. Because yeah. it's one. We're one. Yeah. The love is real. 
Okay, we're going to get naked now and explore this expansive feeling. Okay, listeners, thank you so much, Sarah, for your set. Listeners, thank you for coming on this journey with us. We love you. We love you. We love you. As Sarah said, if no one's told you yet today that they love you, we love you. We love you. Dear listeners, we are a two-woman shop here, and this is a little labor of love. So anything you can do to show us some love, our love language is subscribing, sharing on social media, and coming to one of our many shows. And if you're feeling really adventurous, take a course. Don't be afraid of a good time. We love you, we love you, we love you. We're out. We're out.